Yep, all you liars. Good, well done. Okay, because it's actually important that that we that we think about doing stuff when we hear revelation from the Word of God, because we're we're in a, a cultural stage at the moment where what we watch, what we interact with, encourages um, passive acceptance. We are full of information, but not very full of action. We read lots of interesting stuff online. I mean, who 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 watches? Uh, who wants to be a millionaire or whatever it is? The millionaire hot seat program. Who can answer all the questions? Who just ignores the ones that they can't answer? Yeah. Um, we 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 know we have all the. Not, who's gone on it? No one. Think, think, but we think we all know the answers, but none of us have taken the step to ring up and say, I want to be on the program, I want to win a million dollars. So we're not taking... Yeah, as a, as a kid I was on one of those shows, but let's not go into there. So this morning is even more important. I'm talking about the power of prayer, because we're coming up to I Love My Church Sunday. And you know, prayer, worship is part of church life. Prayer is part of church life. Next week... The title of my message, and I'll reserve the right to change this at any time in the future between now and then, is Read Like Your Life Depends On It. Now, those of you who don't like reading, that's not an excuse not to turn up next week, because I have some alternatives to the printed page, which might excite you. I've actually, and I won't tell you any more about this uh, this week, but I have actually started supporting a Kickstarter project, which involves things about the Bible. So I'm not telling you any more this week. I'll explain it next week, and I encourage you to get involved. It's going to be released in June, uh, and it will blow your socks off if you're wearing any. So the power of prayer. Let's, who, who's noticed that talking to God, I've subtitled this Conversations with God. Have anybody noticed there's a theme this morning? Does this sort of underswell, if you like, of the importance of connecting intimately with our Father in heaven? And so I want to start off in prayer. Join me as, as I pray. Close your eyes. I want you to visualize you're in the throne room of God. His presence is there. Lord, we are awed to be in your presence. We are thankful to be in your presence. We're excited to be in your presence. We thank you that our lives are changed because you are in them. We thank you that we get revelation. We're encouraged. We see with fresh eyes the things of this world. and We are empowered to make a difference because of your presence in our lives. Lord, linger with us this morning as we delve into your word. Bless us. Grow us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me or go onto your device or look on the screen behind you to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. And as everybody moves to look at the screen behind me, because I know that's what you're all going to do. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, talks about prayer. It says, don't worry about anything. Right there, I've put half of you out of a job. You've got so much free time next week if you actually just obey that one sentence that you won't know what to do with yourself. 
and you'll probably go back to worrying. It says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, who loves that? I mean, that is, that is a scripture of power and promise, and it, it, it should excite people. Yeah, not this morning? Okay, sure. And it's easy to read that excerpt from Philippians 4 and think, this, this is what it says. It says, stop worrying about what I don't have, because if I ask God for what I need, he will provide it. Have I put this up here? Yes. No. Have I put my commentary after this? No. Forget it. You just have to listen. So you've got it up there. Is this, this is what most people are thinking. Stop worrying about what I don't have, because if I ask God for what I need, then he will provide it. The evidence of that is that I'm thanking God for what he's already given me when I last prayed. Knowing I will get what I ask for gives me God's peace, and my heart and mind will be calm because I believe Jesus is looking after me. It's very easy to interpret the scripture that way, and a lot of people on first glance do, because we, have, we make assumptions from the text based on the way we think. And in Western culture, we, think, we have a, a type of thinking which is known as linear thinking. We are very, we, we, we like abstract thought. It comes from the Greek and Roman influence in our culture, where we, we like to think that things are logical. And, and this, this, is, this is actually easy to visualize. If we look at a simple equation, A plus B. Now, A plus B equals C. That's what everybody thinks. A plus B equals C. That's obvious. But see, that's actually a Western mindset. In biblical times, if you'd asked Jesus what A plus B equals, you could well have got a different answer. And even today, in the Middle East and in the Eastern religions, if you ask the question A plus B equals, do you know what the answer would be? It would be AB. Because the way that they think, the, the, the way that Middle Eastern people think is what's called dialectical thinking. In other words, they're actually able to find more than one answer for the statement A plus B. In fact, if you want to um, parrot 2 Corinthians 1.20, the answer is yes, yes, and AB. <laughs> and they're perfectly happy with that. Whereas to our way of thinking, that, that doesn't make sense to us. In fact, I can see there are people there thinking, oh, God, that's just not right. But the interesting thing is that many of the difficult sayings of Jesus are examples of dialectic thinking. The ability to hold multiple options in tension is often why many Western readers of the Bible struggle with some of the paradoxes that we find in the Bible. Because we want to have a single answer to the question. We want to be able to define that if we read this in the Bible, well, this is what it means. But it often wasn't intended that way when we said it. And, we, and we're struggling with paradoxes because we were after the one answer. There's things like divine sovereignty versus free will. How does that actually work? There is no one answer to that. The kingdom of God being in the future versus the kingdom of God being here and now in the present. How, how do we reconcile that? There's the there's problem of election. Who knows what election means? It actually means God has chosen you to be saved versus our responsibility to actually encourage people 
to accept Jesus and be saved? How do, if God knows everything, how does it work that we can actually choose to be saved if it's already predetermined? There are, there are paradoxes in the Bible that if we're searching for one answer, give us a lot of trouble. But these seemingly contradictory doctrines are actually congruent in the Jewish cultural framework that gave birth to Christianity. And so if you ask a Jewish man, did God choose you or did you choose God? His answer is most likely to be yes. Because he doesn't see the difference. Whereas we want to pick it apart. We want a definitive answer. Come on. What do you mean? Did you choose God or did God choose you? Come on. And he just said, yep, 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 that's right. And who, who would be frustrated? <laughs> so if it, let's, look at it, let's look at it a different. This is actually important for us to grasp because it actually impacts how we spend time in prayer. So th think about this. If I went to a Western seminary or Bible college and asked the students to describe God by finishing this sentence, God is blank. What do you think? Let's say, have, imagine you're in a seminary college. Finish that sentence for me. God is love. God is love. Good one. God is good. Anything else? Grace. God is grace. Yes. God. Anything more, more theological? Come on. Think of some big words. Faithful. Omni words. Any omni words? Omnipresent. Omniscient. What's the other one? I can't remember it. Omnipotent, that's the one. Um, the, the, any, anything else? These are all great words. You, you would all get into seminary. You are really good. Look, you can see here, th this is the sort of response you'd get in a Western seminary. But if you went to Jerusalem to pose the same question to students at an Orthodox Jewish seminary, the students would answer the same question quite differently. Their response would be more like this. God is a rock. God is living water. God is an eagle's wing. God is freshly baked bread. It's a, it's a, quite a, it's a dynamic way of looking at who God is. Now the point is that one description is not better than another. The Bible describes in both ways. As you, if we reread it. My point is that we have cultural habits and patterns that predispose us towards one way of thinking. And we may need a correction to grasp aspects of God that we might have missed or neglected. Just close your eyes for me. Now, I want you to visualize God is righteous. Now, if you're anything like me, you've got a blank screen in your mind with the words God is righteous written across them. Now I want you to close your eyes again and I want you to visualise God is freshly baked bread. Now I don't know about you but I can smell the bread. <laughs> so you can see that it alters how we think about God. That Sometimes in, in, our, in our Western linear thinking we miss the opportunities to actually think of God in a more personal way, in a more dynamic way. Because they would interpret the question, describe God, as describe what God does. As opposed to describe who God is. Because what God does is more important to them than an abstract idea of who God is.
So the benefit of a different approach is that it can actually grow our faith. So how does this affect our prayer life? Let's look at Ephesians 4, 6 again. Pardon? Philippians. Yes, Philippians, sorry. Sorry, sorry Morella, was that confusing? <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. Uh, no, the, the second version. Okay, if we break it up, it says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. So if we take that sentence on its own, all it's telling us is that, who knows that worry is just internalisation of our problems? We worry about them, but you don't tell anybody. Well, sometimes worrying people do, but they just say the same thing over and over again. It says, pray about everything. So that tells me that instead of worrying yourself, take your problems to God. That's what praying is. Then it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It doesn't say, tell God what you need and he will give it to you. And it doesn't say, thank him for what he's done in the hope that he might keep doing what he's done and give you more. It just says, tell God what you need. Just blurt out your heart to God. Don't expect anything necessarily, but be sure that you thank him for what he's already done. Be grateful. And then it says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. It doesn't say when you get what you've asked for, you'll experience God's peace. It just says once you've told God what you want, you'll experience God's peace. And it says his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's not actually about our hearts and minds are guarded as we pray for what we want, as we move and collect the good things that Jesus has for us. And as our collection grows... Our, our peace and, and, our, and our hearts and minds will, will get better as we live in Christ Jesus. It, it, there is a place. Don't, now, don't, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that God isn't going to answer our prayers when we pray for the things we need. But the benefit we get from prayer comes long before our prayers are answered. But often, uh, you know, as, as Vicky pointed out, we, we worry about stuff until we think, oh, that's right. Now, I, I should actually be taking this to God. Whereas the first word, don't worry about anything. He's serious, don't worry about anything. Take it to God. It doesn't mean don't be concerned about stuff. It doesn't mean be carefree. Ah, it doesn't matter, whatever. I'm not going to work t tomorrow morning, I don't care. It's not about that. It's about if you have concerns, take them to God. Straight away. First thing, off the bat. Don't worry about it, don't internalise it. Pray. And so... So it doesn't mean that God doesn't answer our prayers when we ask him to provide, because there are plenty of scriptures that show God is faithful to do that. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. It's, don't you think it's good that God actually knows the plans he has for us? He doesn't get, wake up each day and unwrap them. Oh, I wonder what's planned for Brendan today. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, he's not going to like that. <laughs> God knows the plans he has for our lives. In advance, he says, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And there's that great story in the New Testament in Luke, Luke 18, 1, where Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And I won't go through it all. It's the story of the judge who a, a woman had a case against, and he didn't care. 
He didn't fear God. He didn't like people. And he wasn't going to give her a judgment. But she persisted and she persisted. And finally he says, look, this woman isn't going to go away unless I do what she's asking. So, you know, just to get my peace of mind, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of go in, have a judgment, give her justice. And, and at the end of the scripture, uh, Jesus says, so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So even in these situations, you notice that God talks about the connection between us and him as being more important than the end result. And he also talks about the fact that, and if you look at these things, what people are praying for is not for selfish desires. That nowhere there does it say this woman wanted a Porsche. And so she contacted a judge because she thought the dealership was charging too much and wanted to get justice. She was after justice for her people because they were being persecuted. And so, so what does this mean for my prayer life and for your prayer life in 2018? Because have we ever been at this place before? At the beginning of the year, we talk about prayer. And everybody, well, I don't know about everybody, but a lot of, a lot of you sit there and, and I stand here and I think, this year, I'm going to nail my prayer life. I'm going to pray more, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to ask for more outrageous things. My faith is, I'm going to stretch my faith. Um, and you know, I'm going to pray two hours a day, every day. You remember what I told you last week about Greg French and how he, he laboured under the pressure of being a minister and, and feeling that he had to pray for hours and hours every day and he failed at it. And how he, he actually took on a... Uh, God challenged him to pray three minutes Every day, a minimum of three minutes. And he said, well, I can do that. Three minutes, easy. But because he set a minimum, because, and you sort of think, three minutes? He should be struck off. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. But the three minutes gave him the confidence to actually pray for longer because he could pray for three minutes. And sometimes he didn't get it finished in three minutes. And so he thought, well, I'll just pray for a bit longer. Sometimes he prayed for hours. Sometimes when he's away, um, you know, got jet lag on the plane, he, play, he prays for three minutes. But it opens the door to a much richer prayer life because he set a goal that he could keep. And often we talk about at the beginning of the year that we, ne we need to actually pray more or, or pray regularly or to sort of increase our faith. How about we look at it slightly differently instead of doing more just to pray differently. How about having a conversation with God? That verse in, I better get this right, was Ephesians, wasn't it? Philippians, no? I don't know why I've got Ephesians in my head. If you read it, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. To me, that sounds more like a conversation you might have with a friend or confidant that you've come to with your problems and you tell who's ever been in this situation where you're struggling with something and you go to your best friend and you just pour it out you say I've been struggling with this it's horrible with that and and they sit there and they go uh-huh uh-huh yeah uh-huh right yeah ah sure yeah uh-huh and you go away thinking wow they were fabulous they gave me so much, in, I feel so much better about my problems. They gave me all the answers I needed. They didn't say a thing. 
but you told them. That's how our prayer life should be with God. It's not a question of saying, God, this is my problem. Give me the answer now. God answers prayer often by us praying. God, prayer should be a conversation with God. Sometimes our answers to prayer just come out of our praying. It takes the pressure of us, of us actually having to pray enough so that God answers. God sometimes doesn't need to answer. The number of people who have come to me for counselling, poured out their story and then gone home satisfied before I've said a word is really frustrating because I have a lot of wisdom I'd like to give. <laughs> but often wisdom is involved in shutting up and listening. And God is, I don't know whether you know this, but God is extremely wise. And so sometimes we have expectations about God answering prayer where God doesn't need to answer our prayers. God's just listened to your prayers and you've actually sorted out what you need by praying. So perhaps we need to look at it differently. God isn't a genie who grants our wishes when we rub the lamp. We need to take that sort of thinking completely out of the equation. Prayer does not define our holiness. Too many Christians pray because they think it makes them holy. Praying does not make you holy. Praying for two hours does not make you holier than praying for three minutes. We pray because we're holy. In fact, if you're not holy, you can pray all you like. It won't do anything. Our holiness is what gets us into an intimate relationship with God and our prayer is the conversation that ensues from that holiness. So, I'm sorry if you've been praying for two hours and feeling holy, but you're not. If you've had to get a lot off your chest, great. If you, if you, love, if you find that you, you have that conversational space with God and that two hours flies by like, you, like nothing and you can do that, don't stop. But if you're doing it because somehow at the end of it you think you've achieved something or you've set a goal or a milestone or something, give it away. God is not a competition. He doesn't want to say, can you imagine? If you've been trying for two hours, God's there thinking, you said this before. <laughs> yep, yep, I know all this. Yeah, yeah. Look, can we move on? <laughs> You're just going over and over and over this, this thing again. Just get over it, will you? The, there's nothing in your prayer that I can do anything about. You're just dribbling on. <laughs> now, he hasn't actually spoken to me personally about this dribbling on business. But, but God, I mean, an intimate, an intimacy with God has got to involve some thinking around it. We've got to understand who God is. You know, if, just, a, just as an interesting, if God was a baker and he was baking bread and you just wanted to hang around because you love the smell of bread wouldn't that be a more interesting way of thinking of God you get up in the morning and, and you desire something about God think of it as bread if it helps and you're just hanging around the bakery while he bakes bread you wouldn't just say God I want a new job God I want more money God I want a car God I want my neighbour to shut up late at night because I can't sleep God, the dog's barking next door all the time. Shut him up, God. Can you? We, we wouldn't sit there and just whinge. We'd say, Lord, I love this. this oh, I love the smell of that bread. 
Oh, can I have a piece? When it's done, okay. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait. You're awesome the way you make that bread. You know, my life isn't turning out so well at the moment. I need these times with you just so that I can, I can rest because I'm getting pretty stressed lately. The job's, you know, being a you know, bit of a uh, problem. I'm not getting on with so-and-so. And, you know, we have these talks and I just get so angry and it's a conversation. You're hanging out because your friend God is breaking bread. And you just want to be around because you love the smell and you just feel at ease with him. And you can even toss in, look, I think you're really good at making bread. Can I come tomorrow and watch you? Because you, last time I came, you, you solved my problems, Lord. I, I really love that. I appreciate it. I want to come again. You're awesome. You're really good. Thank you. Yeah, throw in a few of those as well. But it's a conversation. With God, when, when we pray in, in church, our prayers should be corporate conversations. We should, when we're praying, you know, we, we have our prayer needs during the service. We actually need to have other people. So when we pray for salvation, we need to be praying that God gives us opportunities to talk to them about Him, not that God just bring people in and get them saved. When we, we, one of the, I noticed one of the things up there is relationships. You know, it's funny. How do we pray about relationships to God? God, I'm really having trouble with this relationship. Fix it for me. No, we, it, it gets more complex than that. We, we need to be praying to God. God, I need your wisdom. I'm going to talk to you about this tomorrow because I'm having trouble with this relationship. And so obviously part of it's my fault. We need to discuss how I can better be involved in this relationship. Lord, how can I change me? What do I need to look at? Now, most of us are afraid to ask questions like that in case God answers and tells us what we need to change because who knows that in relationships it's always the other person's fault. <laughs> and we'd love to pray about that. Lord, change them. Convict them. Just let them know that they're full of crap. Um, and God's saying, yeah, yeah, point the finger. How many are pointing back at you? And so... We need to look at how we can change our prayer life into conversations with God, even in a church context, when we come together. See, the definition of prayer, and I got this from a Bible dictionary, it says it's any form of communication with God on the part of believing people in response to situations that may arise in life. Prayer is marked, therefore, by variety. I love that. And encompasses petition, including intercession for others, Complaint, praise, thanksgiving, confession, imprecation. Who knows what an imprecation is? It's a curse. I thought, surely not. And it is mostly Old Testament stuff, but people have been known to get so upset with God, they've cursed him. Don't try this at home or in church. Um, Nonverbal communication. Who knows that you can pray non-verbally? Just sitting in the presence of God can be prayer. And the other thing is, of course, praying in tongues. As speaking to God than rather than about God, prayer expresses most clearly what is believed about God and serves to affect the personal relationship that exists between God and his people. See, as a church, we try to provide a range of opportunities for people to engage in prayer together. We have all-in prayer before the service on Sundays. The reason it's called all-in 
It's because we'd like people to all come in and pray. It's not about, there's, there's no such thing as expert prayer. Who's an expert here in conversation? <laughs> None of us are, or if we think we are. <laughs> if we think we are, we're probably an expert in talking, which is not the same thing as being an expert in conversation. Um, so, but all in prayer is for everybody to get involved. And we're praying about things to pave the way for God to be in our service. It's not about wanting things. It's actually about starting that intimate connection with God before our service. So come along. You're invited. We have a time of prayer during our service, which I just talked about that Brendan and Kirsty did today. We have an all-in prayer and worship night on Wednesday nights once a month. It's called all-in because prayer isn't an addition to a church service. It isn't something extra that we do. I, I often thought, because... I, did, I never went to prayer meetings when I first started coming to church because I was under the impression that prayer meetings were for the serious Christians. People, had been, people who knew what to do. I mean, the worst thing about prayer meetings, I thought, was if I went to one, what do I do? Because back in those days, we used to stand in a circle and the pastor would pray and then the person next to him would pray. And if you're down there, all you can think of is one, two, three, four, five, six. What am I going to say? What am I, oh, I know what I'm going to say. And get the person before you would say exactly what was on your mind. And you think, and you'd get there. And it, I still remember my first prayer meeting. It was the person after me started praying. I thought, phew, dodged a bullet. <laughs> it was scary. Prayer meetings can be scary places. But they're not for experts. You hear people, some people get up and, and they, can, they can pray wonderfully. I, I love Barry's prayers. Barry's prayers often end in, oh, well, you know what I'm trying to say, God. <laughs> because so he sometimes he has trouble expressing what's in his heart, but he doesn't care. He's there, he wants to get his heart out to God. And it's like, yeah, and, and uh, this is sort of how I feel. Anyway, well, you, know, you know what I'm saying, God. And he's not, well, I hope he's not embarrassed about that. But I love that because, because, <laughs> because it's not about becoming expert at prayer. It's about becoming intimate with God. And it's, it's about actually expressing your heart. And who knows, everybody's heart's different. We have men's prayer every Friday. Now this year we're going through the book of Psalms and you know, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work yet. We had a bit of a prep study on, on this Friday morning just getting the whole theme and idea ready. But everybody who's going has been sent a study on Psalm 2 which we're going to be studying this week. Now if you haven't got that and you want to have it, let me know because I've probably forgotten to put you on the list of of emails that I'm emailing this stuff out to. So if you're a man and you want to come to prayer on Friday mornings, now, just because you receive the uh, study notes doesn't mean you have to turn up on Friday of that week. I will send out the study notes every week, and I know that some people are just up way earlier and have to go to bed earlier than, uh, bed, uh, work earlier than 6.30 and they can't make it, because that's the only excuse I'll take. If, it's just, if you just say it's too early in the morf, morning for you, grow a set. Um, and come along because uh, if I can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to prayer um, so can you or I know Ben has to get up at 5.30 because it's longer but he, even he sometimes gets up for men's prayer so no excuses uh, we have prayer for people after the service there are people who wait here and if you need prayer that they are glad 
and happy to pray for you after the service. We encourage prayer in connect groups and dinner parties, which is good as well. So there's plenty of opportunities to practice our relationship with God. And of course, we encourage personal prayer. But this year, instead of doing more of prayer, uh, instead of A plus B equals C, our effort plus interaction with God equals answered prayer, that's not what it's about. It's A, interaction with God. B, what was B again? Our effort equals our effort with God equals greater intimacy, equals greater peace and power as we walk in Jesus Christ. And sure, along the way, God will answer your prayers. But that's not what we're called to pray about. We're called to pray an intimate relationship. Our prayers will change if we know God's heart more intimately. And so we need to start conversations with prayer. Now, one of the most important parts of prayer in a Pentecostal church is the idea of praying in tongues. Now, it talks about this in the... New Testament as something that happened when people were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. As with any of the gifts of God, we can choose not to receive that gift or we can, re- we can actually receive it and use it. And so, can I, can I get, let's all stand. George, can you, I want to I practice something this morning. In fact, no, I want to I turn my device off. No, I don't. Oh, it doesn't matter. Don't need it anymore. I believe that praying in tongues is something that helps people become more intimate with God. And I love what Paul says in Corinthians. He says we should desire all of God's gifts. And I think this is, this is one that it's important for us to actually desire. Now, notice I said it's important to desire it. The level of importance you hold in God's eyes and in C3 Norwood's eyes and in my eyes has nothing to do with whether you actually are able to speak in tongues or not. But I do think it's important for us to desire any gift that enables us to become more intimate with God. So I want to offer an opportunity this morning that if you don't if you don't speak in tongues but you would like that gift from God because it helps in conversation one of the biggest problems we have with God is we get stuck because we get into this mode of asking for things dear God I want and you're a nice guy and we get stuck praying in tongues actually eliminates the middleman us and enables our spirit to connect directly with God's spirit. And we can actually carry on a conversation with God. We don't understand the conversation, but it's spirit to spirit. And it actually enables us to connect with God if we're prepared to put the time and effort into that connection. Now, there's all sorts of doctrinal points about whether you, you do it in church with a, without a, um, an interpretation and things like this. But Paul makes it clear. He says he speaks in tongues more than any of us. He'd actually rather that we prophesied. But it's important for our connection with God. So, I mean, I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning, but if you're somebody who doesn't speak in tongues, but you would love for
for God to give you that gift. You, you want that gift. I want to encourage you right now. Come out under this altar. We're going to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fall so that people can actually have a closer, more intimate connection with God. It isn't a rule. It isn't something lacking in people because they don't. It's actually just a gift that God gives us. And we can actually utilize this gift. Now, I'm a great expert in speaking in tongues because it took me forever. And uh, because I have a Western mindset. In fact, I have a scientific mindset. I was working at Adelaide University at the time in a research lab. And so A plus B equals C was my bread and butter. And so I thought, I have God's spirit in me. I am born again. Uh, I desire the gift of tongues. Therefore, if I open my mouth, God will speak forth in tongues. Um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed too. Um, I, I'd stand on an altar call like this and I'd go, <laughs> waiting for something to come out. Um, and what happened was that somebody said to me, um, who's ever heard of Zerubbabel? So I think it's a place in the Old Testament or a king or something. Somebody said to me, if you say Zerubbabel fast enough and often enough, you'll end up speaking in tongues. <laughs> now, I actually thought that was a bit irreverent. But funnily enough, it works. <laughs> the idea is because it, with tongue, we have to speak. We, we actually have to say something. And, and whether it's Jesus rode a Honda or whatever... Uh, uh, Shondai, I think, is, is, is another common one. It's like a, there's a seed. We actually have to provide a seed. It's like all things with God. When we pray, often God provides us with a seed. God never provides something fully formed in our lives. There's always a seed. And we actually have to provide that seed. And the trouble is that the seed for speaking in tongues is usually embarrassing. Um, I've heard some people that sound like lawnmowers. If that's what gets started, that's fine. But the idea is that if we think of it as conversation and that we're saying something that doesn't make sense, then we actually have to start that. And it's been so long now. I, can't, I can remember when it happened. Vicky actually um, did it in the shower and she was so excited she rang me at work. And she said, and I'm standing in a, a little corridor surrounded by research labs with people rushing back and forth with test tubes and stuff like that. And she's on the phone. She said, I can speak in tongues. I said, do it. Come on, let's see what it's like. She speaks in tongues. And I said, I can do that. And in the middle of the lab in there, I go, and I'm thinking, oh, good grief, what did I just do? <laughs> all these people walking past, sort of looking at me like this. But it, all it... But I'd been practicing for months. It wasn't that there was this instantaneous connection. I suddenly realized that I just had to let go. And the, the, the weirdest place to let go in the middle of my workplace. But you actually have to say something. And, it, and it's probably best to go away and do it at home unless you're really bold. Um, but you know, even, even if you can get your lips moving. just. But the idea is... Uh, tongues is just, it's not magical. I, I can pray in tongues without even thinking about God. But it's, it's, it's wasted. The idea is to focus on God, have something in our heart, and express it without speaking in English. 
you could do, if you've got someone you trust, do it with, with somebody who you know well, who speaks in tongues, and get, and get them just to practice. It's one of those things that I'd like to spiritualise it, but it's one of those things where you can practice it, yeah, and you can get it right. You can get it right, and you can and you can try it, and it grows and develops. Your first attempt at tongues isn't going to sound conversational, but if you keep it up. I mean, I, I, I've discovered that you can, actually, you can put emphasis on things. You can actually talk to God. So you, you can ask questions. You, and and uh, that sounds a bit... Uh, stop laughing. <laughs> but the thing is that if, you, if you've got God on your heart and you're speaking... And sometimes I get angry. My angry tongues are... Ooh, you, wouldn't, you don't want to be in the same room. But it... it, it it's just, it's a tool to connect with God. It's a gift that God gives us. And so it, it, desiring it is, is actually the key to it and being able to actually speak it out. So I want, let, let's, let's everybody lift our hands towards these brave people out the front. And Lord, we just pray right now. I thank you. I thank you for their boldness in actually asking for the gift of tongues. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is strong inside of them. And as they pray, and as they practice, Lord, you will, your spirit will rise inside of them and they will be able to speak with you spirit to spirit. Holy God, bless them and encourage them. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to encourage us all to make a loud noise. Everybody who can, pray in tongues as loud as you can. And I want you guys, while nobody else behind you can hear you, to actually start praying. To actually just, even if it's Zerubbabel, just, just speak out something for God. Holy God. Start in English if it helps. Just say, Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Wonderful God, holy Lord. Lord, I thank you for your gifts. I thank you that these people are not only filled with the gift of speaking in tongues, Lord, but I, I proclaim a prophetic anointing on these people. I thank you, Lord, that they will be able to speak into the hearts of the lives of other people. Your apostle Paul said it is better that we prophesy in English that we pray over people in tongues because that can change people's lives. Praying in tongues changes our hearts. Prophesying can change other people's hearts. So Lord, we pray your gifts, the gifts of your spirit on these people here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys. You may be seated. Now I know there's probably people who were a bit too scared to come out the front and, and perhaps feel the same way, but it's a bit embarrassing. I mean, I went out time after time and it was embarrassing because just nothing worked. Um, and sometimes it's just a, a trigger. But as I said, the, the idea is desire because it does bring a conversational aspect to our interactions with God. And I think 2018 should be that. It's not a question of 2018, we learned to pray, pray harder, we learned to pray more. We, we, we learn to lean in or anything. Let 2018 be the year we, we, we changed our mindset about prayer. 
we started having conversations with God. We started putting less pressure on ourselves to find the right words and to ask for the right things, but we just hung out with God in the, in the bakery or the fruit and veg shop or the hardware store, depending on what sort of floats your boat. But to have an intimate conversation with God, as I said, prayer doesn't make you holy. It's our holiness that allows us to pray. And to be holy, we, all, all it needs, God calls us holy when we have a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ, all we have to do is invite Him to be Lord of our lives. And so this morning, you might be here and you might never have said, well, I want Jesus in my life. I want, I want to be seen by God as holy. I want to be a Christian, a Christ follower. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to take that step of following Christ. You may be here and you may have done that before, but looking at your life, you can honestly say to yourself, well, I'm, I'm not following Christ right now. I'm not following Jesus. Jesus is the God of a second chance, the third chance, the 70 times 7 chance. He will always welcome us back if we're prepared to take that step and ask him back into our hearts. So this morning, you may be here and you've never asked Jesus into your life. Or you may be here and you know that you need to ask him back into your life. And so can I just ask everybody to close their eyes? And if that description fits you this morning, can you just raise your hand right now, nice and high so that I can see it? And I'd love to pray a prayer with you to invite Jesus into your heart, to begin that walk or to begin that walk again where you have Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Anyone at all? Okay, before we close, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence. We thank you that we can be intimate with you, that we can have a conversation with you. We thank you that your peace guards our hearts and our minds when we bring everything to you, when we pray unceasingly. We bring all our joys and all our sorrows before you and not worry. In Jesus' name, amen.